0: I've got a couple of show-and-tells today. We all love show-and-tell, right? One of these, you'll probably, try, you'll probably figure out the significance of that. But I have one that you probably will never be able to figure out the significance. You know, Nathan, in his God series, he, he had his rock, his God rock, which I told him to leave at least until the end of today because I told him way back, I said, I'm bringing in my rock, and my rock is more special, I think. This is my rock. This rock was painted by me 66 years ago in nursery school. I know you're thinking, that can't be. You can't be that old. Well, thank you very much for feeling that way. But that is true. This is this is my rock that I painted. Actually, I don't remember painting it. But I painted it for my father. And he used it as a uh, paperweight. And he kept it all the years. And in his latter years, before he died, he he gave it back to me. So I'm keeping it now. I keep it on my dresser and... Maybe I'll give it to one of my grandkids or something. I don't know. So we'll see. But I, I've built in a little bit of significance to this God Rock. I just, just didn't bring it for show and tell. I had to have an actual reason to it, right? So anyway, I'll leave that there too. So, you know, Nathan, he, uh, four or five weeks ago, asked me to speak on a Christmas, Christmas theme. But he just said, you can just speak on whatever you want. Now, sometimes that's harder when, when you don't have something specific like, what am, what am I going to speak on? Now, this week is the second week of Advent and it's the week of peace, you know, Prince of Peace. But I just didn't feel like I should totally concentrate on that. I just didn't have that feeling. So, I, uh, I was out for this. This is like four weeks ago. I was out for a 45-minute walk and I felt the Lord gave me a message. It's based around three questions that we're going to talk about today. And The the first question is um, what's, this is a question that came to me, what's so special about Christmas? So I just thought I want to open it up real quick, and uh, when you hear when you hear that question, what's so special about Christmas? And I, I'm not looking for something necessarily even spiritual. Just what's so special about Christmas? For example, for me, I'll just start. I'll say Christmas lights. So, like, what what the and, and like one sentence or less. Just yell it out. What's so special about Christmas? What does it stand out? What's that? Family time. Family time. Presents. Presents. <laughs> <Presence>. Turkey. Turkey. <laughs> Light at winter, winter solstice. Blessing others yep. Blessing dollars with all our families. The Christmas songs. Christmas songs, yep, for sure not <laughs> <laughs> so, so loud. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> Anyone else want to sharpen? Yeah. Giving, yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's the holiday time. Jesus Yep. Yeah. For sure. Anyway, there, there's, there's lots of things, right? You know, it, it's especially when you're still you're younger and working, it's usually a good holiday time. A time, you know, sometimes you would get a whole week off. Sometimes it worked out you'd have a whole week off. And it just is, it can be so refreshing, can't it? I just, now that I'm somewhat retired it's not as critical right you have a lot of time off but especially when you have children and stuff that that time off is great and when you think about it in Israel the Israel's days they based all their vacation time around holidays it's kind of neat and they would celebrate like for a week they did it at least three times a year and they would have a whole week where they just would Lot if they could come to Jerusalem and they would just have this great time together, so yeah anyway there's there's lots of things I wrote down, I think you you said everything I was thinking already, right uh, but there's another thing that you didn't say, and especially when it comes to when you were a child, childhood memories of Christmas, right. And, or, or or even as a parent s- reliving christmas through the eyes of a child and um i don't have a whole lot of memories of christmas but i have i have some and i'm going to delve into this in a minute and um so as i was like doing my walk and thinking i this was part of part of the you know this question came up right What's what's special about Christmas? And I, I thought about some times. Now I I grew up in Baltimore, Maryland, which is south, a little bit south of uh, wa- um, a little bit north of Washington D.C. To give you, if you don't know where it is. Now, when I grew up, we're talking now younger, like late fifties, early sixties, it must have been uh, going one of those through those cold times because even in Baltimore it seems like there was a lot of years, even living there, I remember that we would have snow for Christmas. And I can remember as a, as a young child, I can, especially one Christmas Eve, like no one else would, like we lived on a hill and it had an alley behind it. And that's where we all went sledding. And in those days, we had these little sleds that were low, low to the ground with metal runners. Have you ever seen those? Like a flexible flyer, and you would like you would hold it and you would run, start running, and you would just jump onto this leap on it on your belly. So we that's what we had. And this hill was just so awesome. All the kids in the neighborhood would do that. And I can remember one Christmas Eve, and it was cold, and for us cold, it probably was like minus five or something, minus seven, and no one was else out was out. That night, but I decided to go out on my sled, and it was like perfect conditions for sledding and I did that for like an hour and it just I still remember that and there 's other things I remember uh, what about favorite toys? I can remember some of those i don 't know can you remember that as a kid now when I was a kid uh, Some of the toys, you can't get them anymore. One of my favorite toys was this rifle that shot plastic, sharp, tipped bullets. (laughs) So that's what we had back then. It was like like a Winchester rifle. I go around the house shooting things up with that. I, I can remember that. But I remember Army sets. I loved Hardy Boy books. Does any of you remember Hardy Boy books? I would get around three of those and I would devour them starting on Christmas Day. When I wasn't out playing with my buddies, I picked a little cozy place to sit somewhere in the living room and I would devour my Hardy Boy books. And one more. This is kind of cool. One Christmas, we got, my parents bought us this, you know these like, they're called jungle gyms or these metal things outside and you climb up on them. Well, on Christmas Eve, after I went to bed, my father must have put that together. So on Christmas Day, like they had these little notes that took you all around upstairs. And finally, down to the, down to the basement, it was like a finished basement. And there was this jungle gym set up in our basement. And I just remember my brother and I, who was two years younger, we just were enthralled with this thing. And we spent the whole winter playing on that thing. And the kids in the neighborhood would come too. You know, as, as a kid, you just, you play all these games. It's a rocket ship. It's this, it's that. You just, hours and hours of fun playing on that. that. So anyway, yeah, that's, that's something. But there's, there's another question that, as I was walking, came up right after that. And that question is, what's not so special about Christmas? Because I've, you know, I talk to people, we talk to people, and we know that there are things. And I reflected about that a bit. And some of the things that we love about Christmas, we also, we don't love about it. Like uh the total commercialization of Christmas, right? And then there's the, the pressure, the pressure to have the, to make the perfect Christmas happen, right? There, there is this, this, in, this subtle pressure to do that. And then because of that, there's all this busyness, total busyness, and the work, and actually the, the, the tiredness of Christmas. I know of my. I heard this story as I was a parent, uh, grown up. My dad told us that for quite a few years, and it's insane, they would wait till my brother and I went to bed, and the tree hadn't even been put up yet, no presents. They they would stay up all night, putting this tree up, decorating the tree. Then usually it was my dad; he would have to go over to my mother's mom's house and get all the presents, bring them back. Sometimes they had to build things. So they, they like, would get to bed at, like, 4 or 5 a.m., and we were up, like, at 6 a.m. So, (laughs) I mean, it's just the the insanity of it all. And, of course, uh, reminders of family dysfunctionality, especially with the in-laws and the outlaws, right? Can you relate to that? And then, and then, and then, reminders of painful memories. Reminders of painful memories. And as much as, you know, I, I shared some very happy memories as a child you know, I, I, I just felt led to share another part of my story. Like every time I get to speak, I usually am I'm sharing a, another part of my story. And this is a childhood story, which revolves pain. When uh, I was young, my mother had trouble with high blood pressure. It was it was it was a major issue, and back in those days, the olden days, it's amazing I say that now about myself. Back in the olden days, they did not have medication yet for high blood pressure, so that was a big issue. And she had a doctor that had the experimental surgeries done on her, on her to hopefully fix it. Didn't do anything. So she had went through all these surgeries, didn't help. So she struggled with that, and when I was 12 years old, just before my 13th birthday, in the summer, my father had a major heart attack, really bad one. He almost died, but that was in July. And so we were dealing with that. My mother was dealing with that. And then suddenly on December 19th, my mother died of a cerebral hemorrhage. I was at school and my uncle and aunt all of a sudden came to my school into my classroom and said, you need to come with us. So I went with them, went to their house for a little while and then came home and uh, with my brother to find out that she had just died at work. i've not publicly shared this story, and it 's funny I was thirteen i was thirteen so that 's a long time ago and you know you you can be old and you can still be affected by things like this. you can still be affected so I did not take this well, as as, as you know, as a, as a thirteen-year-old boy. Um, you know, when you're twelve or thirteen-year-old boy, you don't really, at least in those days, you really didn't hang around your mom too much. You know, she but she but she was there. You appreciated it, but in a way, you didn't. You really didn't appreciate her. She was like she was the glue of the family. And. It's just, I can remember, like, the day or two before, I can't remember, I I know I got her really upset, and she never got upset, and I know I sort sort of blamed myself that she died, right, because I really raised her blood pressure. I got her really ticked off, and she never got ticked off, and I... I think I pray I think I cried the day after that just very briefly and I never I never cried after that I bottled it up just totally bottled it up the 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 pain was too unbearable for me I and you know what happened for me is that and who those of you who maybe you're studying counseling or psychology, you have a name for it. I forgot. I lost almost all my memories of my mother. I developed a, a a trauma amnesia, whatever you want to call it. I developed it. And to this day, I hardly have any memories of my mother. And for a 13-year-old, that's pretty... I mean, that shouldn't shouldn't be the case, right? So that's how I dealt with it. I bottled it up. Um, actually I started I had one friend who's, who stole liquor from his father's liquor cabinet and we'd go up in the woods to our fort and I started drinking at that point. And my father my father didn't take it well at all either. At all either. And he started drinking. And basically, he became a a functioning alcoholic, though not at all times. And so then, you have me and my pain, and my father was in pain, drinking. And my younger brother, who's still not a follower of Jesus yet, he actually somehow dealt with it better than the two of us. And my mom's mom went off the total went off the rails and uh, she had a tendency towards alcoholism and she went off totally off the rails became a hardcore alcoholic after that so you can imagine especially that first christmas was unbearably horrible and there was quite a few other christmases that were extremely painful for me and it wasn't for another 10 years, I, I had been saved for a couple years I think it was 21. It wasn't until around 23. Finally, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and uh, said I needed to have a good cry, which I did, a really, really good cry. after 10 years, and uh, a big hole in my heart was healed it was healed now i the, the memory didn't come back and the lord maybe the lord has a reason for that maybe cuz it's too painful it's just not worth bringing back i don't know but anyway that you know i i can relate i've talked to people i've talked to people about that christmas time can be not so special right But that's not the end of the story, right? There was a third third question that uh, the Lord gave me. I just want to quickly pray, okay? Lord, I just pray that you would speak to all of us through me. Lord, would you do a work, perhaps in some people's hearts and lives today? It's not wrong to feel pain at this time, especially when it relates to a loss of a dear loved one. But Lord, you, you don't want to leave it there. So I pray that you would just encourage us right now. Encourage us. I pray this in Jesus' name. So, the third question is, on my 45-minute walk was then, okay, what's, what's most special about Christmas? What's the most special thing? And that's what we're going to talk about. Now, I'm going to start with something interesting. Many of you might know, but some of you might know, did you realize that there was no such thing as Christmas for the first 300 years of the church? Did you know that? Christmas was not even originated until December 25th, 336 A.D. by the Emperor Constantine. And he he did that because he had legalized the church, institutionalized the church, which was the start of its going downward. And uh, he wanted to, there was uh, pagan worship at that time. And so he decided Jesus was born on December 25th, and we're going to celebrate it. And, uh, but really, if you talk to any Bible scholars, we don't really know which day Jesus was born on. But they decided to make that. And I mean, in some respects, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a good time of year, isn't it? Where it's your winter's here, and it's, a, it's just a great time to celebrate. It just livens up a dull time. But uh, yeah, we don't know that. It was not... It wasn't emphasized for three hundred years in the church. Now, granted, Now we have two gospel accounts from Matthew and Luke to go and go into a lot of details about this in the history, and there's a there's a good reason for that. There's a main reason which I want to talk about, but I mean it's just the, the it, we really needed it—the historical proof of and all the details surrounding. The main reason for Christmas. So, what's the main reason? What's most special about Christmas? And I think you already know, but we're going to first briefly go to Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 23. And I think Corey's got that up. Good job. Okay, and I'll read it for you. This is how Jesus, Jesus the Messiah was born. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. So, yeah, verse 23. And all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and he will call him Emmanuel. Now this... Was to fulfill Isaiah 7:14, which we're all familiar with. All right, then the Lord Himself will give you the sign. Look, the Virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So as i was walking it just yeah, this on my 45 minute walk it was kind of cool that i the whole outline of my sermon took place on this 45 minute walk around the neighborhood um, emmanuel is the answer to the third question the most special important thing about christmas is emmanuel now this is an interesting little bit of trivia. Maybe you know. Do any of you know why sometimes you see Emmanuel spelled with an I and another time spelled with an E? You can't answer that yet, Pastor Nathan. Does anyone else? None of the pastors can answer that yet. Do you know why? No one knows? I didn't know either, so you don't feel bad. Um, When you see it spelled with an I, well, it's always in the Old Testament, it's coming, the, the, the Hebrew word for Emmanuel causes it to be spelled with an I. In the Greek, it's spelled with an E. So that's why you can, it's the same word, the same meaning, God with us, but in the Greek, it's spelled, it comes out spelled with an E. So anyway, that's a little bit of trivia for you. You can hit some people up on that and you'll never guess it. You can, you can show them how smart you are and you can tell them but, so, I'm, I'm not going to spend my time right now talking about that verse, those verses. I actually, I have a more favorite section of Christmas verse than this, and you may not guess what it is. Maybe some of you might guess or might not say, but actually what I'm going to be speaking on is John chapter 1, verses 1 to 18. It's one of my favorite passages in the Bible. I just, I just love it. And for me, uh, it speaks of Christmas. And actually, can you do something for me this morning? You've heard it so many times. Can you put on your imagination cap and pretend, pretend you're listening to this Passage for the first time, as a description of the Christmas story. Put it, put it, put in that framework and listen to the story, with that kind of framework. Okay, and let's, let's let's go through it. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man, John, the Baptist, to tell about the light, so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light, the one who is the true light, For the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the unique one, who is himself God, is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. So I just wanted to spend a a few minutes working our way through this a little bit and and talk about that. Uh, In the beginning... When they're talking about beginning, we're talking about the beginning. It's like the beginning of the beginning. It's like the ultimate beginning. For us, as just mere humans, we just can only think of this as like the beginning of the universe. But it was like before that. But even though there's an eternity and there's no time, it just it's hard to wrap our heads around it. But it was the beginning. And in that beginning, the word... The word with a capital W existed. Now we're just sort of going through this like we've, not hardly ever, we've never read it before. So all of a sudden this pops up. The word, the capital W word. So this word is the first to do anything. This word is, is, is the great initiator of all that we could ever know. All we know about really is the universe, and everything in the universe from when it started. Though we don't know too much then, but from and on. And this word with a capital W has superseded creation, both in time and space. And this this word just this word preexisted in all eternity past, and it's hard to even know what that means. that's what this word did and this word was with God and was God so we know that this capital W word is not some little G God like the Greeks believed in This, this God is the God the supremo God of all gods of everything right He's he's the one, and it's interesting that the the apostle John, when he wrote this part, that the Greek word for a word you probably heard this is logos. You've heard that word logos. Well, it's interesting. I, I was looking through the uh, NLT uh, Study Bible, the commentary here. It said this this is interesting. To the Greeks the Logos was the rational principle guiding the universe and making life coherent. Isn't that interesting? The Greeks said that the, word, that the Logos, the word, was, was the rational principle guiding the universe and making life coherent. So like to me, when I read that, it's almost like, well then this has to be the, the thing that's guiding all these little G-gods that the Greeks believed in, right? This is like It's almost like shouting out. This this is this logos is the real the real God the only true God. This also this is for Jewish people. The logos was the word of the Lord, like the Old Testament, the Torah, and it was an expression of God's wisdom and creative power. Like we can understand that that we believe that. But this is very interesting. By Jesus' time, the logos. Was viewed as coming from God and having personality. Now, isn't that interesting? Having personality, it's like John is saying he's just he's appealing to the Greeks and to the Jews, saying he's already he's already painting the picture. This logos is God. And in verse two, he says he existed in the beginning with God. It's kind of just. John is repeating this theme that the Word was with God. So, verse 3 says, God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. Now, isn't that neat? The Word was creator of all things. Sometimes you don't think that, but this capital W, who we know who it is, but we're getting to that, this capital W He is the one who created the universe and everything. We already heard that this capital W word is eternal. And this capital W word is God, yet according to what we're reading is this capital W word is distinct from what we know as Father God. So it's a powerful, powerful thing is being portrayed for us right now. Who this Capital W is. Now let's just jump. I'm doing this for a reason. Let's jump to verses 14 to 18. I'll read it again. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father. Father's one and only Son. So, here we have it. This capital W (laughs) word became human and lived with us. He He was Emmanuel. And we also read that John the Baptist and others said that they had seen his glory as the Father's one and only Son. They, 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 he saw it. In verse 15, John testified about him when he shouted to the crowds. This is the one I was talking about when I said, Someone is coming after me. He is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. From his abundance, we have all received one gracious blessing after another, the law was given through Moses but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ so John the Baptist went around saying that the Lord's coming or the Messiah was imminent and when John the Baptist saw Jesus he said he's the one he's the chosen one he's the Lamb of God he's the Messiah who will take away the sins of the world We're not going to read it, but just briefly. Uh, This gets elaborated more by the Apostle John in chapter 3, where John the Baptist says of Jesus, the one and only, he says he was sent by God. God the Father gave Jesus the Holy Spirit without limit. The Father loved the Son, loves the Son, and puts everything in his hands. And in that passage, whoever believes in God's Son has eternal life, and whoever does not obey the Son will never experience eternal life but will remain under God's judgment. Okay, verse 18, last verse. No one has ever seen God, but the unique one who is himself God is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. So God, the unique one, Emmanuel, has revealed God the Father and God the Holy Spirit to us. So let's now jump back. Now we know who the word is. The word is Jesus Christ. Jesus of Nazareth. He is Emmanuel, God with us. Isn't it kind of interesting that uh, it is It is a uh, Christmas story. If you think If you put your head around and think of it and listen to it this way, it is a beautiful, beautiful story of Christmas. And John tells us reasons why it's beautiful. In verses 4 and 5, The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. So Jesus, the word, Jesus Emmanuel gives life to everything. So Jesus created everything from nothing. He created the stars. He created from that. He he created non-human life from the stardust. And then he created from the dust. He created self-conscious life. He created human life. And this is life that was made in the image of God. See, as humans, we carry an awareness that we are different from all the other creation in the universe. We carry an awareness that the creator of the universe created us. The, other, the rest of the creation doesn't have that awareness. Well, the angels do, but in terms of the universe creation. It's kind of kind of cool, isn't it, when you think about that. See, in John 14, 6, it says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So this life in the Greek is, is called zoe, this is like, uh, it's talking about a, a spiritual life, a spiritual awareness. Um, this, light, this is a life that's not limited by time nor hindered by death. I guess you could call it uh, it's a, a soul life. And Jesus brought us eternal life. John 3.16 says that. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. His death and resurrection from the cross paid the penalty for our sins and gave us a new relationship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. See, we all, as, as humans, we all have a this soul life and it's something that doesn't cease to exist after we die. And you have two choices. Your soul life can spend blessed eternity in heaven. But if you choose not to, your soul life spends eternity in hell. And it's, it's I don't want to dwell on it for the Christmas season, but this, this is part of the ultimately the Christmas message, which I will close with. So, Jesus also gives us abundant life here on earth now while we still live. John 10.10 says, The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. So he means as we live as followers of Jesus, he gives us a life full of purpose, vitality, energy, and all the fruit of the Spirit. Now verse four, this is what I, I, I really love. And I'm gonna turn turn my light on now. His life brought light to everyone. I, I just loved reading this and, and thinking about it. You know, in Genesis, Jesus or not Jesus, but Genesis says, let there be light. And John, the gospel writer, when you think about it, he's making a statement. There was original life, but now he's, he's talking about there's a new spiritual creation of mankind that begins with Jesus Christ, who is the light of the world and who imparts spiritual light into the hearts of everyone who believes him. What does that mean? The spiritual light, well... You could say it's spiritual wisdom, it's spiritual insight. I don't know, it's spiritual love. You could describe it different ways. Now, rabbis of that day used light to describe the coming of the Messiah. That was, that, that was an illustration that, that was known. When John says that Jesus brings light to everyone, he's essentially saying that Jesus is the Messiah. I mean, I, in Isaiah 42.6, could you put that up, Corey? It reads, I, the Lord, have called you to demonstrate my righteousness. I will take you by my, the hand and guard you, and I will give you to my people Israel as a symbol of my covenant with them and you will be a light to guide the nations. Maybe you can put up Luke 2, 29-32. Now we have an account of Mary and Joseph taking Jesus to the temple to be dedicated. And there was an old fellow there by the name of Simeon. And he, the Holy Spirit had told him he would not die until he saw the Messiah. And they call it the consolation of Israel. And... So when they brought him to be dedicated, Simeon saw him and the Holy Spirit told him that this is the one. And this is what Simeon says. Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations and he is the glory of your people Israel. So this light shines in the darkness, we read in verse 5, and the darkness can never extinguish it. In John 8, 12, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And this light shines and cannot be put out. This, this darkness represents the opposite of everything to Jesus. It represents all the sin and evilness of the world. It represents Satan and all his dominion. And it represents all those, all those people that are opposed to uh, Jesus and his followers. This darkness can never extinguish the light, but the light always removes the darkness. The darkness, the spiritual darkness, especially as it, it refers to the demonic, it doesn't understand the light and it doesn't want to understand the light. And this darkness also represents the people, those people of the world that just refuse to recognize that Jesus is the light that has come to the world. And darkness is associated with wickedness, unrepented wickedness, and is also represented, represents the resultant misery in hell. But for those, for those who truly seek to know the truth, Jesus should be seen as a giant lighthouse on a giant, giant hill that can be seen everywhere and that light shines so, so brightly that for those who are seeking to know the truth they're going to see this light and they're going to be drawn to it. Now, for all of us who trust in Emmanuel as our Savior for all of us who who have been reconciled to God we who believe on Emmanuel we no longer walk in darkness at all walking in the light means we can clearly see in the spiritual realm and Jesus is our light and he guides us through a world full of darkness and sin and many, many struggles and hurts, which we've talked about already. And he allows us, he allows us to experience life to the fullest when we walk in that light. Has anyone ever been in a, uh, like a deep cave and had all the light turned off? I have. It was a, I think Carl'sbad caverns in New Mexico now, when they turned off all the lights, that's what dark is I mean it's darkness that's so dark that you you can't you know, there's nothing you can see it's same as being blind that's that's your chance to to and see what what blindness is and they did that, and some people were really freaked out and then they, they turned on, maybe it was a little bigger than this light, but they, they turned on this one light that was like, because it's a huge cavern in this one area, huge, huge cavern. It's like, it was like 200 meters away, and they turned on this little light. Man, could you see that thing. It is amazing, but that, that's, that's what walking with Jesus is, or at least it should be. That, that's that's we shine like that and uh, another example came to me like when you're when you're walking with Jesus it's like uh, a good example is navigational lights in a shipping waterway maybe you've, you've seen, seen those in certain places of all the red and green and these lights without these lights ships will will go aground or even it's even for smaller for just large boats you could get into serious trouble you could go up on shoals and rocks but you these lights tell you exactly where to go and that's that's what it's like for us right we have we have we have navigational lights before us all the time it's like we have a You could, like a light in a cave, that that one light would light things up so that you could see really where to go. It's also like navigational lights. So the Bible calls this to be salt and light in the world. Salt is something you choose in small quantities and is dissolved in something, and you no longer see it, but it's working. It's working. doing a big difference of preserving and seasoning, and but you don't see it. That's like our inner, inner character working. That's what salt's like. It's making a difference. Now light, light is meant to shine as bright as possible. It's, it's, it's meant, that's its whole purpose, is to shine and be visible, to bring visibility. And our, our light, that's shining in us, it's meant to be visible. It's supposed to be focused out and it's act, it's supposed to be action-oriented. That's what our light's supposed to be. Now, sometimes... We won't dwell on it, but sometimes... I know I'm guilty of it. Sometimes we we tend to almost put our light under a bushel basket, don't we? And sometimes... Maybe we don't have it under the bushel basket, but sometimes we just it's like on the floor. You know the difference between having a light on the floor and having a light up this high? Huge, huge difference. So we're supposed to be having our light shine, shine brightly. That's that's my encouragement and to all of us today. This whole aspect of trusting in Emmanuel. And believing in him and and his message and being a light that's that's what I, I call my uh, no, I call it my peter rock this this symbolizes doing that this little rock you know symbolizes us shining our light and making a difference in the world telling the, the good news about emmanuel the the person who who the creator of the universe who's existed for all eternity, who came, who came and lived with us. It's, it's the apocalypse that Jeremy talked about, who was trying to get across to us. It's, it's the profoundness that's something that should make us get a, get a little bit excited around Christmas time. Really should. Uh, and there's, there's, there's another thing I wanted to share about, about the light. And this, when I, and this is my earliest memory, really my earliest, I, I, I thought about, it popped in my mind on my 45-minute walk. I was probably some, I guess, four years old. But when we were young, <clears throat> We used to have these um, electric candles that looked like this, but they had—they were—they were powered by. You plugged them in. We didn't have battery stuff back then. That was before battery stuff. And we, we had a uh, electric candle in my bedroom window, and I still have this memory, first memory, of of this. This candle in the window was in there at night, and I just had this peace. It gave me some kind of peace as I saw it, and I, I maybe I must have woken up at least once or twice, and the light would be burning, and I had this uncanny sense of peace, and that. Represents the peace of Jesus. I mean, I sort of, as a four-year-old, back back in those the good old olden days, everyone went to church, whether you're a Catholic or Protestant. Everyone knew a, a bit about Jesus and the Christmas story. So I I would have been taught some things, and maybe that's what it was. That maybe that's what I was sensing back then. That that peace. So. So, we, we, this is the Advent season, and last week was the Advent candle of hope. This, this is the, today is the Advent candle of peace, which I was, it was kind of neat that I got to speak on the week of peace, and then there's the Advent candle next week of love, and then the final one of joy. So, I, did, I will speak just, just briefly about peace. Emmanuel, the Prince of Peace. See, he brings, first of all, he brings peace with God through forgiveness of our sins and assurance of salvation. And he also brings inner peace. And that, we're talking now of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. He brings that. He brings... Peace with others, us to others, which starts with our family, our friends, our local church. And peace can come on a larger scale; it's possible. Um, there used to be a lot of talk about world peace. I, it's my my opinion, that I don't. I don't think we're going to ever see a world peace again. We're going to see pockets of peace. We're going to see revival. And that literally could bring a sense of peace to this whole city if there was a revival. We could be a pocket of peace. There might be a a country that experiences it. But uh, we are living in a dark time. It comes up, you know, we, we talk about it probably with our friends, our family here at church. But just remember, it may be dark out, but Jesus, the light, is always shining, the giant lighthouse, and we, we are lights. And that light shines out from us. And as we gather as a church, that light shines even even greater. Jesse, you can come on up. I'm just about ready to wrap up. Jesse has a. <clears throat> I uh, occasionally go to uh, on Spotify, and Jesse has what's called the Jesse Green Radio. I don't know if you you can certain performers have have like radio things, and there was I was listening to it or four weeks ago, and uh, there was a really neat song that came up that's talking about God with us, so I'm gonna, she's going to share on that. So, what's the most special thing about Christmas? Can someone tell me? Is anyone listening? You got it. Thank you. You got it. Okay. Emmanuel, he's Jesus. He's always existed always existed before time eternal. He came approximately 2000 years ago as a baby. That's what we normally that's what we're thinking about at Christmas time, right? And he dwelt with us. And John picks up this Christmas story when he talks about who he was as an adult. He was a light, he showed the way, and then he died for us, and then he rose from the dead on the third day. Easter, the Easter story. Easter story is part of the Christmas story. You can't separate them. And because of that, he sent the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit which dwells in us and and gives us all the fruit of the Holy Spirit and the gifts. The Advent and Emmanuel is coming again someday, right? This is what we really focus on. This is what we should be focused on. This is, a, this is a part of the Christmas story. Jesus who came as a baby, lived, died, rose again for our sins, is coming again. We don't know when. But the way things are, you never know. It can become, come in some of our, some of our lifetimes. And... He's coming to call us home to eternity and to judge the world of its sin. So there's many special things about Christmas, but there's one thing that's the most special, and that's Emmanuel. So my encouragement to you today is to don't let all the special things that we talked about get in the way of celebrating the most special. Don't let all the commercialization, the pressures to, to have the perfect Christmas, all that stuff, to have you neglect spending time and enjoying Emmanuel. Try to try to do that. Sometimes I'd just like to have a couple lights on, or maybe just the Christmas tree, everything else, put on some good Christmas music and sit there in quiet after the kids have gone to bed, if you have kids, and just, just bask in the presence of Emmanuel. Try not to let it be a downer. Um, Christmas has been and still is a difficult time for some people. And I realize that we all need to realize it, and we need to be there for those who are struggling. All right. Um, So I'd like to just close in prayer, and I'd also like to say that if, for some reason, you still have a hole in your heart and Christmas is difficult. I'm gonna I'm going to pray right now for you. And if you want prayer afterwards, I will make myself available. Because I've been there and God healed me. He healed me of that. And you shouldn't have to go around with that hole in your heart. You should you should and you shouldn't have to have happened what happened to me. Lose, lose my memory. I, that's painful. I, I wouldn't wish that on anyone. But, uh, so yeah, I just want to, on behalf of Elaine, I just want to wish you all Merry Christmas. I know it's two weeks away, but in case I don't get a chance, I just love you guys. So let me pray. Lord, we thank you.